Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I'm so glad you're joining me today. I'm really excited about what we're going to be getting into. I I just want to say thank you so much for joining me every week. Um, We are growing together, growing in our faith and uh, growing to uh, really know God more, but also know how to live out His Word in our lives. And that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. And we do that by getting into God's Word, getting God's Word into our life and and getting it out of our lives by living it out. And, um, you know, as we're walking through the, the book of Acts, we're seeing the church in action. We're seeing the, the acts of the Holy Spirit as he's empowering the church to get it started. And, and hopefully this renews like just an excitement, a passion in you as well for what God wants to do in your life. And uh, we're talking today about, uh, we're looking at Acts chapter 9, starting in verse, verse 36. Grab a Bible, grab something to write with so we can take some notes because we are getting into the fullness of each uh, each passage, each chapter, sometimes just a verse and moving through it. Uh, we're not in a race. We want to, we know that the, the Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. And so, uh, so it's all about really, uh, learning it and learning to live it out. And, and God's word is also always relevant to our life. And um, it's just amazing that something that happened seemingly so long ago still speaks to our greatest needs and even our greatest fears. And today we're talking about this issue of, of dying, of death, um, something that is such a reality that, that we face. And in our modern world today, we want to just pretend like that's not an issue for us. And yet uh, we know that, that it is. We like to cover it all up. But it is something we all have to face and come to terms with. And I read a story uh, from a few years back uh, in early May of 2018. There's the story of this 13-year-old's recovery from a traumatic brain injury that was healed. It was uh, nothing short of a modern miracle, and this is reported by uh, KTLA. And so the story goes that that doctors at the University of of South Alabama Medical Center were set to terminate life support for Trenton McKinley. Again, 13 years old. Two months earlier, uh, he was seriously injured after a small trailer that was being towed by a dune buggy flipped and landed on his head. And his accident resulted in seven separate skull fractures, and he was eventually declared brain dead. His mother, Jennifer Rindle, was informed that his prognosis was 
dark. They said he would never be normal again. They said that there were oxidation problems uh, in the brain, that he would basically be uh, in a vegetative state if he made it. And his recovery was so unlikely that medical staff had been lining up potential recipients for organ donation. And the parents even gave their consent for organ donation from uh, this boy. They said five kids needed organs that matched him, and it was unfair to keep bringing him back because it was damaging his organs even more. But the day that the doctors were scheduled to pull the plug on the life support, Trenton was showing signs of life. And since then, he not only regained consciousness, but he also showed a sense of humor. He, uh, about the, the dent that was in his head, Trenton said, I could turn sideways and put salsa in there and eat chips and dip out of my head. No more washing dishes for me. That sounds like something I might do if I had a dent in my head. But listen, it's not over until God says it's over. Even death cannot stop the will of God. And Jesus is the one who has shown the power to bring the dead to life. And so we're going to be looking at this incredible event that addresses our greatest need and our greatest fears. And this is the issue of dying. And, um, you know, the question I asked was, uh, should I fear death? Well, we have nothing to fear because Jesus has conquered death. And we see in this story in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, check it out. The first thing we're going to look at the place this happened where Jesus is able to confront death face to face through one of his disciples, one of his followers, committed followers. Um, so in verse 36, it, talk, it says this was happening in a place called Joppa. Joppa was an important commercial city. It was a seaport town that, that brought in commercial goods from all over the world. And it was the seaport actually for Jerusalem, which was the capital of Israel. And so there were all sorts of people there. We know uh, Joppa, maybe if you know the story of Jonah, it goes all the way back to, to, to the time of Jonah. And, um, and this is a, a noted important city because of what we're about to see that happen here. And in this city, of course, there were people, there were God's people people who had trusted in Jesus. And so there was a um, there, there were Christians there in that city. And anytime you have Christians, followers of Jesus in a city, that should raise the level of God's work, of God's presence, of uh, justice, of, of uh, poverty, all of those things that that begin to improve when God's people are at work being God's hands and feet. Uh, medical care, prayer, all of these things that, that, that happen, righteousness that happens in a city because God's people are there. And that should be true in our cities where we live today. But in verse 36, we also see that there was this great need because there was uh, one of these believers had died. Let's look. Uh, we'll read this passage through verse 39. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name 
is Dorcas. We're going to just call her Tabitha because I think that's a prettier name. <laughs> she was always doing good and helping the poor. And about that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard of Peter, that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows uh, stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. So let's look at this lady, this beautiful lady named Tabitha. Um, you know, women's Sunday school classes, I know, sometimes they'll name them Dorcas. And to us, that name sounds silly, but it actually means gazelle, like a beautiful uh, gazelle. And so uh, we know that she was deeply committed to Christ. She was a faithful, devoted follower of Jesus. She was doing good work. She put her faith into practice. She helped those who were in need. She helped the poor. She uh, gave charity to the needy. She actually gave the things that she made with her own hands. This is an example for us to follow today, to follow her example. If you want to leave a legacy after you die, um, you know, what are people going to say about you? Well, for Tabitha, they said she was a good woman who followed Christ faithfully all the way to the end, and she was always helping those who had needs. She gave things that she had personally made. She was probably pretty well off, maybe even wealthy, because she was she had all this material to make clothing, and she was giving it away, uh, helping widows, those who had lost their husbands. Um, and so the husbands were no longer able to provide for them. And uh, many times those widows would be cast off and cast aside. And she saw them and she helped them. So she was a true follower of Jesus. She didn't just give it lip service. She didn't just start something and blow it off. She didn't say, hey, count me in. I'm going to serve and then call in sick. You know, uh, she didn't do those things. She was faithful and continued to give everything that she had. And of course, the scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, uh, that we should practice generosity. Um, it says you, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God loves it when his people are generous. God is so generous to us that he gave for God so loved the world that he gave. And you're never more like God than when you are generously Giving, Of course, this says, for God loves a person who gives generously, but I also say, and God will also receive from a stingy grouch, you know. So <laughs> we need to give, but he wants us to give with the right attitude. And Titus 2.7 says, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integ integrity and seriousness of your teaching so it's not just what you say. Yes, we need to say it. We need to say it and spray it and, and live it and be about it. But we need to be doing it and putting it into practice, uh, showing that what we say is what we mean and who we are, and we need to do it. So Dorcas, uh, Tabitha, as we said, she 
she died uh, in the middle of her effectiveness in her ministry. And, you know, this is crushing when somebody you love passes away and the believers were so crushed. They wondered, how could such a good person, how could this happen? Um, how are we going to continue on in the ministry that, that we're doing and the effectiveness? Think about the legacy that she left behind. At this time, you know, Christianity was still relatively young. And so there weren't, there were a lot of newer believers. There weren't a lot of mature, older believers. And there were a lot of poor people. Um, and so she was one of those who was really, you know, able to make a difference. And that's something to consider. You know, Jesus came for every economic level, every person, whether from poverty, somebody who is incredibly wealthy. And, um, and you know, everyone has a part to play. And if you've been gifted with the ability to make money, you've been gifted with the ability to, uh, and you, you have things, then, you know, God expects you to be generous with what you have, to bless others. And um, that's, this is what she did. This is what we need to do. But there was also a hope that they had, that these believers had, because they knew Peter was not too far away. They knew that Peter had just healed this paralyzed person that we talked about last week. If you missed it, you can go back and listen. Um, and uh, they also knew that Jesus had raised people from the dead. Maybe some of them had even seen the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And um, so they had, they still had hope. They didn't uh, just rush to bury Tabitha. That would have been the normal thing to do. Instead, they washed her and they laid her in these upper chambers and they sent some people to go find Peter to, to come uh, to see if he could perhaps possibly bring her back to life. And this showed their great faith that Jesus can raise the dead. And uh, so they didn't bury her. They went uh, and got Peter to come immediately. And um, they just had this great faith. And so Peter responded by going with these two guys who came to get him. And, you know, he had a heart that of concern and compassion. Um, he was, he wanted to do something about this situation. You know, when we become aware of a need, it should stir something in us to say, I'm going to do something about it. We say, you know, a lot of times we say, God, why don't, why don't you do something about this? And God says, I've done something about this. I've made you aware of it. Now you're aware. Now you go and be my hands and my feet and my voice and my heart in this situation to make a difference, to bring hope, to bring life. And uh, so he knew about it and he wanted to do something about it. The people were so um, sad about the fact that Tabitha was, was dead. And so as soon as Peter got there, they took him up to this upper chamber and um, they were crying, weeping, because they saw her in this state. And they started showing Peter the clothes that Tabitha had made and had given them. And they were, you know, they were pointing to the clothes and they were wearing the clothes that, that she made to honor her 
And uh, it could be that that's all they had to wear. Again, reminding us of doing good, doing good in every opportunity we have. Uh, 1 Timothy 6.18 says that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And uh, this is the, the pattern that we're supposed to have in our lives to even encourage each other to do good works, to shine our light so that uh, God is glorified through our lives and people know how much God cares for them and loves them because of the way you um, are, are helping them and lifting them and offering them hope and help. And so then we see who is the power that can raise the dead. It is Jesus. It's not Peter. Look at verse 40. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. The disciple got alone with God in that moment. Um, he, he needed to seek God's face. He needed to be focused uh, before God. And, um, and so we see at least three times in the Bible where the dead were raised in this same kind of way. With Jesus and Jairus' daughter, this happened. With Elijah and the widow's son back in 1 Kings chapter 17. And with Elisha and the Shunammite's son back in 2 Kings. And so this is a pattern that we see in Scripture. But uh, what did he do? Peter simply prayed to the living Lord. He prayed. It wasn't some magic incantation. It wasn't some kind of uh, sprinkle, some kind of magic dust um, or ch chant or anything, a spell perhaps, none of that. It was a simple, heartfelt prayer to the Lord. Um, and so Peter asked for God's will to be done. And once he knew that, that it was God's will, then he prayed for the power that would raise her and for God to use this miracle so that people would turn to Jesus. And um, this is the way Jesus taught us to pray, to get alone. Uh, Jesus many times got alone to pray and you know, it's incredible what God will do when his people will pray and seek his face. We see the needs of our world, the desperate needs of our world all around us. And yet, are we praying? Are we taking time to pray? Because that's when God moves in power, when his people will pray. And we see this pattern all through scripture in Luke chapter 6. It says that, Jesus went to a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And that we know that if we pray uh, in confidence and we ask according to his will, that he hears us and that he uh, will respond to those prayers. And so Peter did exactly what Jesus had taught him to do, and he turned to Tabitha to her body and said, get up, get up. That was incredible faith that Peter had. 
Um, it was the, the faith that Jesus showed in raising Jairus' daughter. And it was God's will for Tabitha to be raised. Um, and so her resurrection, why did he do this? Because her resurrection had an even greater purpose than her remaining dead. And, um, and so what were those results? Let's look at what those results were in verse 41. It says that he took her by the hand and he helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And the word spread all over Joppa. Many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So what was the result? Many people turned to Jesus. This is God's greatest desire that uh, people would turn to him, turn their hearts to him, become part of his forever family, that they would be forgiven so they could experience life uh, here on earth, an abundant life, but also life that goes on forever with him in heaven. But also, there was this incredible door that was opened up now because Peter had um, done this, and really it was Jesus working through him. Now he could go and he could tell people. And here in Joppa, this is the place that God gave him the vision that led him to carry the, the good news of Jesus beyond uh, to the, the rest of the world. And when God raises the dead, the reason we saw this happen throughout Scripture, it was to demonstrate God's power that he can save us from anything we face, any problem we face. Um, and there is a, there's a point that, that is that is shown of how God takes our, our uh, lives that are dead in sin. The Bible says that in sin we are dead, but he brings us to life. He brings us new life and makes us new. And so we see this demonstrated there in Joppa because many people believe because they saw what happened to Tabitha. And so they were also saved. You know, I, I think about Tabitha, and yes, she was raised, but she she's not alive today. She didn't stay alive forever. Eventually, she did die, and she stayed dead, and yet she wasn't. She lived forever, and she's alive today in the presence of God because she knew the Lord, the most important decision that can ever be made. And, um, you know, we know that the scripture is very clear that uh, we need to turn to him to receive real life. That's true life, spiritual, eternal life. And I just want to challenge you with this as we close this story. As you think about um, the first, this is, this is kind of out of left field, but, but it, it, I think it's, it's a powerful uh, picture. And that is think about the people uh, the the first foot that was stepped on onto the moon, we say one small uh, step for man, one giant leap for mankind, right? And there was that step in the dust of the moon. And did you know that those first footprints on the moon will be there for a long time, as really as long as the moon 
uh, lasts because there's no erosion by wind or by water on the moon. Nothing gets washed away, so that footprint will just stay there. The moon has no atmosphere, and uh, so um, it, it is, it's exposed to the solar wind, a stream of charged particles coming from the sun, and over time, this acts almost like the weather on Earth to scour surfaces on the moon, but the process is very, very slow. And the footprints left behind by astronauts on the moon could last from 10 million to 100 million years. Think about a lasting footprint and think about the footprints of your life, where you walk, where you go, what you accomplish, the influence, the impact that you have on other people's lives. That's the permanent legacy of your life that you leave behind that lasts for a long time, if not forever. And we need to be careful that we are in our actions and in our words, that we are leaving lasting footprints that point people, that lead people on the path to life and lead people on the path to Jesus. So I wanna encourage you with that today. Think about where you walk and how you walk, how you're walking for him, okay? And so thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you have a great uh, rest of the week. I look forward to seeing you really soon. Uh, be blessed. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. Connect.